Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, uh, we are not out of the woods yet in terms of the economy. Tonight, the Minister for Finance, Ken Oforiata, is making an announcement that suggests that we are not going to be redeeming our pledges to international debtors or creditors. This means there's a suspension on the payment of credit. But what is the consequence of that if we cannot pay our euro bonds and other commercial loans? Also, coming up, did our president speak out of diplomacy when he made the comments on the Wagner Group operating in Burkina Faso? A former deputy minister for the interior who is an MP from the Upper East Region thinks so. We'll be hearing from him shortly. And later on Eyewitness News, the NDC returns from the polls with a French freshly minted team of executives. Would that change anything? Gabi Ochidaku of the MPP thinks it's a team of propagandists that has been elected. But does it matter if they can win elections? Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories. On 97.3 CTFM Eyewitness News. And in business... Finance Minister Ken Ofoyata assures of government's commitment to reviving economy in 2023. That's Nashika Caesar. She'll be back in 50 minutes from the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including in the western region on Beach 105.5 FM, and Sky Power 93.5 FM, both in Takradi, in the Bono region, on Greener 95.9 FM, in Sunyani. If you go to the Ashanti region, we're on Focus 94.3 FM on the KNUST campus, and Orange 107.9 FM, also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we're on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajehu, also in Ho on Cool 103.5 FM. If you go to the Northern region, we are live on Radio Bimbila, uh, which is... Um, a station located in the eastern part of the northern region on 91.9 FM in Bimbila. Upper East, we are live on Tanga 93.7 FM in Bolga. And in the Upper West region, we are on Tunsung 97.3 FM in Wa. Do let us know what you make of the stories we are bringing you tonight. 0549-986-996. That's a WhatsApp number. 0549-986-996. You can also send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. Write your messages under our Facebook live feed. I mean, we are live on Facebook using CTFN's Facebook handle. Drop your comments as you watch what we are doing for you from the studios of 97.3 CTFN. My name is Umaru Sandamadu here with Eno Safu, and we are effectively airborne from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, in Accra. You remember the issue of the haircuts? Well, the government does not particularly call it a haircut. The government calls it Domestic Debt Exchange Program, where we have been told over the past few weeks how if you have been investing through a group, 
you may not be able to uh, have your money as early as you were wishing for. The government has been praying for patience from you and saying that you may have to wait till 2037 at the most for your money starting from 2024. The discussion is ongoing and that has to do with domestic debt. But that's not all. The government's debt is a huge balloon as we've been hearing over the period and now other debts are being affected too. They call them the foreign debts. So today the Minister of Finance, Ken Ofriata, called a press conference, or not a press conference, it was just a press briefing where he gave an address to the nation. No journalist was asked to or allowed to ask any question. And he announced to us that government is going to put in place stronger foundations for 2023 to change the country's economy for the better. But the gloomy side is that he said they would suspend external debt payments on euro bonds, on commercial term loans, and on most bilateral debts. Let's listen to him. After presenting the 2023 budget to Parliament on 24th November 2022, Parliament worked tirelessly to provide policy approval of the budget on Tuesday, 6 December 2022. On behalf of His Excellency President Nanado Danko Akufuado, I wish to use this occasion to express sincere gratitude to Right Honourable Speaker, the leadership of Parliament, and all members of Parliament for working hard beyond official hours and over weekends to approve the policies underpinning the 2023 budget. This approval is the first step in the approval process. The next stage, which is currently ongoing, is for Parliament to consider and approve the budget estimates of individual MMDAs. In addition, Parliament is also considering for approval the fiscal measures, both revenues and expenditures, and their related legal instruments underpinning the 2023 budget. This second stage will culminate in approval of the Appropriations Bill, which will enable the implementation of the 2023 budget. We are, therefore, calling on the Parliament to favorably consider the fiscal measures in the 2023 budget as they are an integral part of the package for addressing the economic challenges facing the country and will facilitate the approval of an IMF program by its board. As you know, the fund program consists of three important components, attaining a stable macroeconomic environment, obtaining debt sustainability, and seeking financing assurances. Ghana's domestic debt program was launched on Monday, 5th December 2022. The objective of the program is to reduce Ghana's current debt burden and its servicing implications on our economy. The program is designed to achieve this in the most orderly, transparent, efficient, and expedited manner. It is critical to restoring macroeconomic stability and debt sustainability. The government has continued to dialogue extensively with various stakeholders, including regulators and representatives across the pensions, banking, asset management, and insurance sectors. We have discussed with them the rationale behind the domestic debt exchange program, understood their perspectives, and taken their feedback. Ultimately, Confidence and the active participation of all stakeholders are the essential elements for the success 
of this debt exchange program. As such, government is committed to laying out a path towards attaining debt sustainability informed by sound technical analysis and broad stakeholder engagement. Following the launch and as part of the broader macroeconomic and structural reforms, the IMF and government signed off a staff-level agreement on 13 December 2022 for a US $3 billion extended credit facility. So far, we have all witnessed the gains of the CD over the past week, as well as the attainment of the staff-level agreement in near record time. These are results of our collective efforts. As 1 Samuel 30.19 says, nothing was missing, great or small. We must and we will collectively recover all. Ladies and gentlemen, in order to recover all, we still have a lot of work to do before the end of year in order to gain the full benefit of the debt exchange program. Following the stakeholder engagement, government has agreed to extend the expiration date for the domestic debt exchange to 30th December 2022 to allow for key concerns raised by stakeholders to be accommodated in some form. The launch of the debt exchange program coupled with the signing of the staff level agreement of the IMF have aided our stability efforts and have in particular contributed significantly to the rebound of our currency. While accommodating the inputs of stakeholders, we must do all we can to sustain the gains of these initiatives, keeping in sight the urgency of, the, of obtaining IMF board approval in quarter one 2023. The cost of this not succeeding will be too huge for our economy. That is why we urge Parliament to support us in getting the appropriations bill for the 2023 fiscal year passed. We also urge Parliament to support in particular new revenue measures outlined in the 2023 budget which aim to improve revenue mobilization. We cannot afford to repeat the mistakes of 2022. Our end game as a government has always been to achieve a Ghana Beyond Aid a wealthy, inclusive, sustainable, empowered, and resilient society, a wiser Ghana. The necessary precondition for this is a stable macroeconomic environment. Viewed within that lens, restructuring our debt is only but a necessary part of our story. The ensuing years will focus on building an entrepreneurial and export-driven economy as we grow the economy to protect and create jobs, tackle inflation, and strengthen our currency. Importation of food should soon be a thing of the past. We cannot afford to lose this essence of forward momentum for our economy as we navigate towards stability, predictability, and growth. 2023 must be our comeback year, a year in which we put in place stronger foundations that will allow us to change our country for the better and in a way that is enduring, inclusive, and transformational. We all have a role to play, and I urge us all to work together with the government and support the various interventions being implemented to kickstart our recovery in a determined, bold, and courageous way. Above all, I urge us all to maintain an unshakable sense of optimism about Ghana in the days and years ahead. 
Indeed, the Lord is a lifter of our heads. Psalm 3, verse 4. As we all witness a new confidence in our currency and the prospects of the certainty of an IMF board approval of our staff level agreement. So that's our Minister of Finance, Ken Oforiata. Let me go on the phone line and get some reactions to persons who understand the world of economics more than many. Professor Peter Quarte is an economist and he's at the University of Ghana. Prof, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you and uh, good evening to you and to your discerning listeners. Good evening. When the government spoke to us about the domestic debt and they called it a debt exchange program, we understood that if you have investments in government um, instruments, uh, you may be having to delay the removal or the plucking of the fruits that you were hoping your your investments will yield and you're supposed to extend that to some 15 years. Tonight, the government is talking about suspension of payments on external debts. Does that simply mean yentia to the people abroad? Is that what it means? No, this is totally different from yentia. Yentia means you won't pay, but this one is asking for a suspension of interest payments. And actually, even goes further to state that some will be exempted. So, multilateral debt, like debt owed to IMF, World Bank IMF will be exempted, and then uh, some uh, trade agreements or trade credit um, as well will be exempted, as well as multilateral um, debt contracted after 19th of December. So this is not a year policy, but it's just a way of suspending interest payments so that you can have the financial muscle, so that you can have a fiscal space some resources to sort yourself out. It's an interim measure. As you mentioned, we've had the local debt restructuring. Uh, the foreign debt was have to be restructured. But it's a step towards having an agreement with all creditors. You cannot just impose anything on creditors. You have to negotiate with them, come to a consensus on the terms. That is why there is a French uh, consultant uh, working with the Minister of Finance to engage all creditors and ensure that um, the contractual obligation between the government of Ghana and all those creditors are met. I use the, the phrase here and here because we have been told there's a suspension without being told wh- how long that suspension is going to be. Now, since if it was a temporary thing, at least you do know that we may not pay, but we will pay soon. However, if they just left it as blanket as it is, that... There's a suspension, and we are told negotiations are now going to happen, and we have been told that that's actually what we need now to be stable. Then that looks like we are not paying, at least not now. Well, um, there's been some engagement already with these creditors, so I'm sure they are aware. I don't think this is just coming uh, um, as a shock, a surprise to them. They are aware of this suspension, and I believe uh, we have from now to early uh, next year to sign the IMF agreement. So they, they certainly know that this is not going to take long. And they believe it's, it's just a step towards having a final agreement or consensus on debt restructuring. The creditors are very much aware that we are in this together. We either um, suffer some losses than which, and then we reach the yin, 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 y
we don't want to get i don't think government wants to get i don't think anybody wants us to get there i believe uh it's painful as it is i mean that you're not going to earn interest on your uh investment um it is also uh prudent that we sign on to these things come to a consensus and have something that will be a win-win for creditors as well as for the government so that we don't collapse the economy doesn't come to a grind or to a halt we have seen the options given to domestic um, bond holders. How, what options could be available to these uh, external debt holders? Um, can we extend the years longer than they currently are? Is that, is that the only option available or are we going to negotiate and ask them to knock off some zeros for us? Can we even ask them to just cancel it outrightly for those who have the capacity to? What options do you can be put on the table for yes, them? Your, your third option will be difficult. Let me tell you your third option. To cancel it outright will be difficult because there are many creditors involved. And it's, it's like we have gone to the capital market. Uh, when you are dealing with a private business person, profit is the sole motive. So it's very difficult to get a private creditor to cancel your debt. And uh, quite a number of institutions and individuals are involved. So to get all of them to agree to a common framework will be difficult. Um, so the the issue of cancelling completely uh, will be will not be an option. Uh, unlike the situation where we had HIPAC and we had all the debt forgiveness uh, uh, error, that that I don't think that option is available to us. It will be quite difficult to get all creditors to agree to such such a term. However. The issue of uh, suspension, uh, sorry, extending the uh, moratorium or the payment uh, could be explored and it's done in some countries. That was what was done. They did not even suffer uh, interest rate suspension or interest rate cut or anything. They were just extending the moratorium and the, uh, the government was able to save some money. The second option would be to extend the moratorium or the payment uh, terms as well as um, maybe lose some proportion of interest on the debt. So it all depends on the, the discussion, the negotiations, and what creditors are prepared to sacrifice. A zero interest, I, I am not sure uh, they would agree, but well, it depends on how well, how convincing our arguments are to these creditors. Our government is not done with the negotiations locally. We do know that there are a number of unions that are not happy, in particular with the fact that they are pensions are going to be touched. Uh, do you think the government is uh, biting more than it can chew, considering that it has not completed negotiations with the local debtors and we've already announced what we are doing with the external debtors? If all of them come to the table, can we really contain them, especially the agitated and aggrieved ones? Yeah, we cannot bring a lot of them to the same table. They have to be engaged separately. Uh, but, but I think you cannot say, I want to finish with one, and then start the other. Uh, time is of the essence. We ought to sign on to this IMF uh, agreement and, and get uh, some um, inflows. Um, hopefully, the board will meet in March thereabouts. And we want to get all these documents ready uh, for the board to approve, uh, give a final approval. So we cannot wait and say, I want to finish with the local creditors uh, when they have all agreed. Then I'll start negotiation. It takes time. That is why. They have to engage both uh, separately. And as I mentioned, there are um, there is a consultant uh, who has started work already, uh, as we are told. 
uh, he's working behind the scenes even before this announcement came out. So I am very much certain that some consensus will be uh, reached. With the local union, um, I, I share their pain. I understand what you're doing, even with the bank, because losing your interest income um, is quite significant. For banks, a lot of them, about 70 to 70% of their income comes from interest income. So to lose that on the bonds and how much they are put into bonds is quite a severe cut, to, to say the least. Uh, however, some negotiations, discussions could perhaps ensure that some 5% or 10% or something that uh, can be accommodated. So as, as I mentioned, dialogue is important, consensus building it's important at this stage. The market doors have been shut, and I'm referring to the Eurobond and others, and that is why we've gone to the IMF for credibility. Now, if IMF comes and we have gone to strike these deals that we are striking, how credible are we going to be, even though we are looking for credibility? Because you may be looking credible because you're doing business with the IMF, and the IMF says you are responsible now. But I will not take you seriously as a country, uh, to give you a loan the next time, knowing that you are you are used to defaulting on loans and suspending payments and so on, when people have projected what they plan to do with the uh, savings or whatever they are making on their investments. I'm saying that, can we go back to these same people after having these harsh terms imposed on them, even though we are told it's going to be a negotiation and not an imposition? Yes, um you, you, if you extend this to even a private business or individual, the fact that you are defaulted once in a loan agreement doesn't mean forever you will forever default. I believe they will assess your present economic circumstances and then engage with you. The IMF, yes, comes with credibility, and that would also attract other international or bilateral donors on board. So I believe it's not just the $3 billion, but other bilaterals, Bilateral, I mean loans from other countries. Uh, any uh, loan or grant from country to another country is a bilateral loan uh, or grant. And I believe we are likely to get uh, some bilateral uh, funds as well. The international market, um, it might take a while for us to build our credibility up to the stage we were uh, prior to COVID. Uh, but, but I think if we're able to get on the IMF program, we're able to do the right thing. Uh, we, we manage our debt thresholds. We don't overspend like we have done. Um, they will look at all of that, assess, it, assess our growth rate, assess our revenue our stream, and uh, we are likely to get more funds uh, going forward. But I think we should learn a lesson from this, that you don't continue borrowing. I think there's no tomorrow. We have to, every time you hit a threshold, the 50%, 60% debt GDP ratio, we have to pull the brake because you need a buffer. So any time there is a shock, you can still borrow, cushion yourself, and get out of the mess. But we borrow to the brain that when we were hit with this uh, triple shock, uh, there was no way out. And, and that is why we, we saw our currency tumbling. We saw inflation escalating uh, and all that. Lessons have to be learned from this. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Prof. My pleasure. That's Professor Peter Quarty, an economist with the University of Ghana. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And the question next to ask would be, if these um, external debtors say, or external creditors say they are not going to listen or accept our proposal, 
what will be the consequence? When we come back, I'll speak to another economist who will help us make sense of that. Please stay with us. This is Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are speaking to you on a night that the government has announced the suspension of payments on selected external debt of the government. Of Ghana, we've heard from Professor Peter Quarte. Uh, he's given us his perspectives. He's an economist. We've also called up Professor John Gachi. He's an economist with the University of Cape Coast. Prof, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Prof. Before I ask you what the consequence of uh, what the government has said is, my question first would be: If these external creditors uh, say that they are not going to accept our proposal, because they are under no obligation to do so, what will be the consequences? Well, I think there is no proposal to them. As far as we know from the press statement, there is no uh, proposal to them. It's only that the government has uh, announced uh, debt default uh, to them. So I'm not sure there is any proposal to them to accept or not to accept. So our government has said to them that we will pay you, but we are not going to pay you now. So we are suspending the payments that we are supposed to be making to you, unless it was a fresh deal signed after December, is it 19th? Or yeah, I think there's a date in there that is mentioned. That is what it means. So it means they don't really, they don't really have control over what we are going, to, we are doing or saying to them. Yes. But it's their money. What if they come with guns blazing? And I'm not using that literally. Well, I think uh, what the government has done is to uh, declare itself as a, 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 in default, and that uh, uh, lowers its credit worthiness. And uh, again, that also classifies Ghana as a country that does not keep debt contract uh, to pay principal at maturity and to pay a coupon periodically. That is what it means. And uh, countries who share away from Ghana, uh, I believe it's just like some past uh, years that we had what we call year It took very hard work to gain confidence and credibility before the international market. Uh, that is what we are heading towards, especially when the debt uh, situation is not well discuss with uh, uh, creditors. So it creates that gap of confidence uh, in uh, in the Ghanaian economy. And we need to work hard at the future day to be able to regain that confidence. Even with IMF shepherding us? Yes. As you have seen that they have isolated the IMF debt and the World Bank debt. Multilateral debt is largely pro- provided by the IMF and the World Bank. So because we are getting into contract with uh, IMF, uh, perhaps next year, uh, the finance minister's announcement clearly isolated uh, the IMF and the World Bank debt. So they are not part of it. Uh, it affected uh, all in commercial debt holders. 
euro bond holders uh, and then bilateral debt holders. These euro bonds, uh, we usually have terms of payments and it takes years. Can we do the same thing we've done to the domestic debts to the euro bond, for instance? Can we extend the years? It can be done through negotiation. So if it is not done through negotiation, it becomes hostile. And that is where the sentiment becomes to come up because uh, you have covenanted through the bond agreement to pay principal at maturity and pay a coupon periodically. Uh, so that is what you have covenanted to do to the creditor. If you are not going to do it because of the difficulty you face, the proper thing to do is to negotiate with them for them to accept your position and then that becomes normal. But if you don't engage creditors and you announce what you think is good for you, it's as if you are assuming that you are in some upper position. And that is where the whole problem is. So this suspension should not have been a unilateral one? At all. Could it be that the government is helpless and desperate and that maybe the suspension has already been effected and it's just a matter of communicating to us because whether you like it or not whether there's a negotiation or not the suspension ought to happen because we simply cannot pay yeah if you simply cannot pay you need to engage the debt holders because the agreement of debt is such that whether you have money or not you need to pay if you cannot pay you negotiate that is how it is this is not an equity instrument where even when, uh, when the company is making profit, it can decide not to pay dividends. That's not what it is. This one, you have covenanted that I will pay the principal at maturity and I will pay periodic coupon. Period. If you have problem, let's come back to the table and discuss it. How we can help you? What is your proposal about the help you want to give us? You want us to give you? And we discuss it. If we agree, uh, we move. So this looks like putting the cart before the horse. Exactly so. Exactly so. What what options can the creditors take? There are many options. Number one, you have breached the contract, so they can take legal action against you. And number two, depending on the nature of the the creditor, uh, if some of the creditors are of the nature of vulture funds, or uh, uh, they are vulture funds in disguise, then they will show their real uh, attitude by becoming very ruthless towards Ghana. Seizure of assets across the world may take place with time, uh, and then interest of Ghana across the world may, may, may be touched across the world. Or if some of the commercial debt holders have decided to treat their debt with voucher funds, then the voucher funds will press home what is their true character to seize assets of Ghana across uh, the world. So these are the two critical things. But there is one that remains, uh, that is not active 
that may not be biting you, but you will meet it at a future date. That is when you have regained all your economic, you know, whatever, and you want to now get to the international debt market, then they will be playing it to you. You are not credible. You are not credit worthy. You can default at will. And that means that there is no international market you may enter into at a future date. And when you are doing debt restructuring, you have to, these two things in mind. To solve the problem you face today and carry the people along to be able to be interested in your instrument that you'll be issuing at a future date. So we cannot be trusted in the future. That is what it means. What is vulture fund, or what 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 are vulture funds? <laughs> vulture funds are high risk uh, investment funds uh, that uh, actually lend money to uh, companies and countries. Of course, uh, they 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 are interested in high high. Uh, returns because of the risk associated with the debt is very high. So right now, the, the risk associated with our debt is very high. So they buy it and try to uh, manage it. So that is what vulture funds do. And you say they are ruthless and possibly careless about any consequence that may arise, and they are happy to go to any court on the international forum and uh, bring a case against us. I believe you recall about two years ago or three years, uh, an Argentine uh, vessel was almost seized in the waters of Ghana here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was because they claimed that it was a military vessel. So military vessels are sort of exempted. If not, so it will be seized in the waters of Ghana. That is the work of uh, vulture funds. Um, I was going to ask, I, I was thinking we have it, an aeroplane that may be seized abroad, and I realized that the Black Star Line, not the Black Star Line, the our national airline has long collapsed. Uh, we don't have the Black Star Liner anymore. So there's nothing for anybody to catch anywhere and say we should bring money. Maybe our embassy buildings, those ones who may be rented buildings. So there's nothing really abroad for us, is there? We have interest abroad. Your petroleum revenue is not supposed to be invested in Ghana. It's invested outside country. So bear in mind that asset is there. So, so these things can easily be garnished. Of course. And the courts will not hear that we are in trouble times, and they should understand. The courts will not listen to these things. Yeah, if you're in trouble, then that is a behavior you need to put up. That is to negotiate with the people. If you're not willing to negotiate with the people, it means you are sound. So the court does not condone uh, that behavior. But what we are discussing now is it amounts to jumping ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Because maybe the negotiation, the government has said they are going to do this negotiation, so we may not get to where you and I are fearing tonight that we may get to. Well, it's not me who is afraid. It is the the test of uh, the press statement. That is what we are discussing. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Prof. Thank you.
That's Professor John Gachi. He's an economist with the University of Cape Coast. Earlier you heard Professor Peter Kwote. He's an economist with the University of Ghana. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And when we come back, the president of Ghana, Nanadudan Kwakufad, was in the United States of America for the Africa um, U- U.S.-Africa Summit. And on the sidelines, he made some statements about our neighbor to the north, Burkina Faso, suggested that the Burkina Bays had employed the services of a group of mercenaries from Russia known as the Wagner Group. And he says after they did their work, they were rewarded with a mine close to Ghana, and uh, he was worried, and uh, speaking to the international partners. Lots of reactions have been coming through. Burkina Faso has acted swiftly. We are going to look at the... Um, seeming confusion between Accra and Ouagadougou when we come back. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF and we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We are around the gold, uh, the, the globe, not gold, on citynewsroom.com, also on Facebook via CTFM's Facebook handle. Um, let's go on the phone lines and speak to a former deputy minister for the interior who is currently the ranking member on the defense and interior committee of parliament. And MP for Bulsa North. He's a lawyer. You know about James Agaga. You're welcome to Eyewitness News. Eh? Thank you, Sander. I, I want us to have a chat uh, because you've expressed fears about the president's statement. But for those who may not have heard the president, I just want us to listen briefly to what he said in the United States. And you tell me why you think that this is a problem. Very well. Yesterday I had a very, an extremely, I was part of an extremely useful meeting with the people from the Congress to come and talk about security matters. I believe that the, Madam, you were there, you were part of the meeting. And um, it's significance for us. And I think that beyond everything, that is a matter that I want to urge upon you. Today, Russian mercenaries are on our northern border. Burkina Faso has now entered into an arrangement uh, to go along with Mali in employing the Wagner forces there. I believe a mine in southern Burkina has been allocated to them as a form of payment for their services. Prime Minister Burkina Faso in the last 10 days has been in Moscow. And to have them operating on our northern border is particularly distressing for us in Ghana. Apart from not uh, uh, accepting the idea of great powers uh, once again making Africa the theater of operation, we have a particular position that you know about over the Ukraine war, where we have been very, very vocal and upfront about condemning the invasion of Russia by Russia. And therefore, they're now to have this group in our borders. It's a matter of some considerable disquiet and concern for us. 
So that was the Commander-in-Chief of the Ghana Armed Forces and President of the Republic of Ghana, Nana Rodanko Akufado. Um, Mr. Agaga, you said that he shouldn't have said what he said. We should be concerned that we have the Vogna operating on our northern borders, shouldn't we? Look, Sander, just not to hold brief for the people of Burkina Faso um, in connection with their decision to deploy the Wagner Group. That is, if it is indeed true that they have deployed the Wagner Group. First of all, Burkina Faso is a country that has been ravaged by the activities of uh, terrorists. The chunk of their territory is under terrorist control. And yet, this is a country which has literally been abandoned to its state. The help is not coming from any quarters. And so, if assuming without admitting that what the president said is even true, that they brought the Wagner, is the Wagner a terrorist group in the estimation of Ghanaians? No, they have rather brought them to assist them repel the terrorists from their territory. And so if they do that, should Ghana be crying foul that they have brought in a group of people? They are not just people, they are mercenaries. You know what mercenaries are. What do mercenaries do that should cause concern, security concern for Ghana? They are in Burkina Faso to help the Burkina Bay government fight terrorism. But, Sander, that is not even my point of interest. The issue is that Burkina Faso is a neighbor to Ghana, to the north of our country. Now they have been grappling with terrorism for quite some time, and we as a people found it necessary to collaborate with the government there in terms of the sharing of information and intelligence to help we ourselves prepare adequately well to deal with terrorists should they infiltrate, I mean, uh, our country. But now we have, we, we have put Burkina Faso on the spotlight by claiming that they have deployed Wagner mercenaries uh, on our northern uh, border. Now the question to ask is, do you think that the Burkina Bay would continue to cooperate and to collaborate with Ghana, given the fact that we have put them on the spotlight? They are part of the um, Accra Initiative, which was launched by the president himself. And what, what is the Accra Initiative all about? It is about getting countries that have been affected by uh, terrorist activity or countries that, uh, you know, potentially could become targets for terrorist attacks to collaborate and share intelligence. And this has served us well. Why have we all of a sudden decided to go the way we have gone by putting Burkina Faso on the spotlight? Now, Sunday, we have created a diplomatic round, which has resulted in the Burkina Bay having to recall the ambassador from our country. They have also summoned our ambassador in Ogadugu and all that. What that means is that, that our relationship with Burkina Faso has developed deep, deep, deep cracks. That is not good for our security. It's not good for information sharing and intelligence sharing. So what can we do to repair the damage that has been caused by our president's uh, statement when he engaged with the U.S. Secretary of State and to the Blinken? I think he should take immediate steps to repair the damage that his statement has caused.
Is it the venue of the statement that is a problem, or the statement in itself is problematic, regardless of where it is said? Look, the statement is problematic. Because he, as a former ECOWAS chair, he can be he can be concerned about a situation like this, and he could raise it. And and you do know mercenaries, and they could easily finish their work in Burkina Faso. And since they are for economic benefits, they could easily cross borders. And your bulsa may be the first stoppage stopping point if they were to enter Ghana to the north and engage in mercenary activities. The earlier a warning is, is, is given and the alarm bells rang, the better. Sander, if we had issues with the deployment of the Wagner Group in Burkina Faso, we could have used diplomatic channels of communicating with the Burkina Bay authorities. We never did that. Now the Burkina Bay authorities have come out to deny that they have not even deployed the Wagner. You see the problem we have created? If we had probably used diplomatic channels to engage with them, summon their ambassador in Accra, have a discussion with the ambassador, apprise ourselves of the uh, what is actually happening on the ground. Rather than do that, we went all the way to Washington and spoke in a manner that wasn't charitable at all to the Burkina base. The question is, would they be willing to share information with us moving forward under the guise of the Accra Initiative? That is my concern. And if they don't do, Sander, don't you think that our country's uh, uh, preparations and preparedness to deal with terrorism, which hinges a lot on intelligence, could be hampered? So that is my problem. And so, Sander, to tell you the truth, what the president did, has rather compromised our country's security. Assuming he was doing that with the hope that the Americans would quickly come to the aid of Ghana by uh, bringing in troops to assist us because Wagner, which is coming from Russia, has deployed in uh, uh, Burkina Faso. As, as members of parliament, and I know you are going on recess, if you are not already on recess, uh, what can you do? The Foreign Affairs Minister, uh, Chief Diplomat, was sitting at the same forum when the President was making the statement that he was making. Clearly, the Foreign Affairs Ministry supports what has been said. We have not heard from our Defence Ministry, neither have we heard from our uh, Interior Ministry. We have made attempts to reach our, our contacts at the regional offices of Upper West and Upper East. Upper East. We have not been successful to hear anything from them. Immediately, what should be done? An apology, a so visit I, to Ouagadougou? First of all, if I were the president, I would have dispatched my foreign minister by now to Ouagadougou to engage with the authorities in Ouagadougou, placate them, assure them that Ghana means well for the, um, the, 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 the Burkina base. We are with them spiritually. And even materially, if needs be, we would go to their aid because they are our neighbors. We are brothers and sisters. I would do that and follow up as the president to engage with Captain Traore in Ogodubu. That is the way to repair the damage that has been uh, done by the statement the president made. But rather than do that, it appears we're keeping quiet. If, if, if we don't act with dispatch, I'm, I, I, I can foresee this situation escalating in a manner that wouldn't be good at all for uh, uh, our relations with Burkina Faso. So remember that this is a country 
that has maintained friendly ties with Ghana. I mean, since both countries became independent. In the days of uh, with Drago, I mean, he and Kwame Nkrumah were very close. Thomas Sankara became very close with uh, uh, President Rowling. And, and that relationship has been maintained ever since. This is the only time the Burkina Bays have recalled the ambassador. That is a serious matter that we should be looking at. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you, Sandra. That's Honorable James Agaga. He's a former Deputy Minister for the Interior, now a member of the Defence and Interior Committee of Parliament and MP for Bulsa North. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Um, I see my election as a call to duty. That's Asiedu Nketia, the new chairman of the National Democratic Congress. In case you are not aware, over the weekend, the NDC went to the polls at the Accra Sports Stadium, and by Sunday morning, they had come up with a fresh list of executives. Samuel Ofosampofo was defeated at the polls by Johnson Asidunkitia, who is now the chairman of the party. Fifi Fiavikwiti defeats uh, Elvis Ankra and Peter Bwamotokuno to become the general secretary of the party. Joseph Yamin came from Kumasi to defeat the national organizer contestants, about eight of them, to become the national organizer of the National Democratic Congress. Uh, Chief Sufo Azoka becomes Deputy Vice Chair of, not Deputy, First Vice Chair, Sherry Aite, former Minister for Environment, is also a Vice Chair of the party and Mr. Abanga. So uh, that is generally the list that has come from the NDC uh, Congress. There will be more uh, when uh, Salam Adonu hosts um, Fifi Fiavikwiti, who is a new General Secretary of the NDC, later on Point Blank, Point of View, not Point Blank, on City TV at 9 p.m. You don't want to miss that. But next... Organized Labor has served notice that effective Tuesday, December 27, 2022, all public sector workers will go on an indefinite strike. The group has asked government to exempt the pensions of its members from the debt exchange program. Under the program, existing domestic bonds will be exchanged for a set of four new bonds, maturing in 2027, 2029, 2032, and 2037. The annual coupon on all the bonds will be set at 0% in 2023. 5% in 2024 and 10% from 2025 until maturity. Addressing the media, the Secretary General of the Trades Union Congress, Dr. Yaoba, says they will only call off their strike when government heeds to their demand. You may recall that exactly one week ago, we said we were asking government to exempt us from the debt exchange program. We sent the letter and we told the whole world that if government doesn't do that, we will advise ourselves. Today we are here to tell you the advice we have given to ourselves. Yes. And that advice is very simple. We have decided, all of us together, that because government has refused until today, by midday of today, to grant us our request that all pension funds, and we are not exempting anything, all pension funds must be exempted from the domestic debt exchange program. We have decided firmly that all workers of Ghana are going to strike on the 27th of December and we will be on strike until our demand has been granted. And the demand is simple, that all pension funds must be exempted from the debt exchange program.
And what it means is that all workers of Ghana should stay at home on the 27th of the, starting from 27th. Don't go to work. Stay at home. And, and we will stay at home until we hear publicly that government has exempted all pension funds from the domestic exchange program. That is straightforward and very simple. Between now and 27th, we have a few days to Christmas. From tomorrow, in fact, we have started today, every worker in this country must signal to government and to their employers that we are not sitting down for our pension funds for the most vulnerable people in this country to suffer because somebody has made mistakes. We are going to be in our red, red band, red t-shirt until we hear on the 27th. And we are not meeting here again. 27th, if we haven't heard anything, we start a strike. If we hear anything positive, we organize another press conference and tell the whole world that the strike is over. But that is when the exemption has been announced. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was the Secretary General of the Trades Union Congress, Dr. Yaoba. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Every market movement and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. It's time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by First National Bank and powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Nashika Caesar. Coming up, Finance Minister Ken Ofoyata shows of government's commitment to reviving the economy in 2023 and later poultry farmers' hint of possible shortage of chicken during Christmas. We will tell you why. Now let's settle for the details. Director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ISE, Professor Peter Corti, has stated that the, the suspension of all debt service payments will help in consensus building. Government today announced that it has suspended all debt service payments under certain categories of external debt, pending an orderly restructuring of the affected obligations. The suspension will include the payment on euro bonds, commercial term loans and on most bilateral debt. A statement issued by the Ministry of Finance noted that the move, which is an interim emergency measure pending future agreements with all relevant creditors, will not include the payment of multilateral debt, new debt contracted after December 19, 2022, or debt related to certain short-term trade facilities. Professor Peter Corti has been speaking to City Business News. I mean, this is part of the whole debt restructuring process as part of the conditions to meet the IMF um, agreement for us to stand on to the agreement from now to um, early 2023 when we sign on. Our debt level has to be sustainable. So the local, I mean, with the local market, we have uh, been told a clear 
a strategy um, they do not be laid to bear. But when it comes to the international market, they are yet to know what exactly that is going to happen. So this uh, move uh, of communication is the first step uh, to suspend payments. This is meant to uh, also allow governments to have some resources because if you postpone payment, it doesn't mean you are forgiven. You are basically postponing your debt or repayment so that you can have some breathing space, fiscal space to breathe. Uh, the next step will be to uh, engage and have consensus, reach out some consensus on how this foreign debt restructuring would, would, would occur. And then based on that, uh, we'll, we'll have a complete agreement with the IMF. But I must say that this suspension is not new. Um, there was a debt suspension in Egypt where 73 countries uh, have signed on, developing and uh, low middle income countries sign on. Unfortunately, Ghana and Nigeria opted out. Um, maybe uh, we could have taken advantage of that um, option, but um, better late than uh, never. So, uh, where we've got into, we need to get onto the IBEP program and we have to build consensus in order to be able to sign on to the program. That was the director of the Institute of Statistical, Social and Economic Research, ESE, Professor Peter Korti. Now, President Ikufado is appealing to the business community to reduce the prices of goods and services as the city regains its strength. This comes on the back of the local currency's recent resurgence against all the major trading currencies. In the last few weeks, data from the Bank of Ghana on Monday morning shows that the local currency is currently trading at 8 CDs to a dollar on the interbank market. Also, a litre of petrol and diesel are selling at 13 CDs and 16 CDs respectively. In view of this, President Ikufado says it is just fair for prices of goods and services to be reduced taking into consideration the gains the city is recording. Add my voice to those of Guta, GRTCC and others to appeal to manufacturers, traders, and transport operators who at the height of the CD's recent depreciation increased prices of goods and services to reduce their prices now that the CD is regaining much of its strength. I believe this is not only a fair request but also a just one. You had President Ikufuado there. Moving on, members of the trading community are urging the Bank of Ghana to come out with its new strategic plan to sustain the current appreciation of the city. The local currency started last week at about 12 Ghana cities to the dollar, but closed the week trading at about 8 Ghana cities a dollar. After hitting 16 Ghana cities to the dollar last month, the traders believe the appreciation of the city is commendable as it will help enhance their operations. Speaking to City Business News, Secretary of the Traders Advocacy Group TAG, Nanapoku entreated managers of the economy to ensure the efforts are sustained to enable its members plan their businesses, particularly as calls arrive for a reduction in the prices of their wares. To the appreciation of the city, we Traders Advocacy Group Ghana, our worry is sustaining the appreciation that is happening. So we are calling on Bank of Ghana to come with a roadmap, a clear-cut roadmap that is guiding the policies. How they are going to guide the policies to make sure at the end of the day it 
comes down and stay. We don't want any fluctuations. Today, you've seen it appreciating the CD, appreciating to the dollar, and then tomorrow, the dollar will actually commence appreciating again. This is a situation that has been with us for long. So we call on Bank of Ghana to come out and let us know the clear-cut policy drive that is going to be sustainable and keep the city in shape. Manuel commenting on the expected reduction in transport fares, he called on government to help address the concerns of transport operators as their pricing directly impacts the trading community. In as much as we welcome the reduction to 15% downward against transport fares, in solidarity, I also really want to urge government to address the fundamental issues concerning the applied. Because if you talk behind the scenes to some of the leadership in the associations of transport, you could see that there is a lot that is going on. And it comes back to trading. They are complaining of um, spare parts, a whole lot. And likewise, if the ports, things are being reduced there, and then um, government is actually facilitating commerce well in the country, definitely things will go down and they will find it easy to adjust to reduction when reduction is needed. Secretary of the Traders Advocacy Group Ghana Tag Nanapuku. Now the Chamber of Mines has called for the streamlining of policies between the Chamber and the Ministry of Trade and Industry. According to the Chamber, the local content law guiding the mining industry will continue to show minimal results without enough support from the Ministry of Trade and Industry. Local content, among other things, represents the value that an extraction project brings to the local, regional or national economy beyond the resource revenue. Suleiman is the CEO of the Ghana Chamber of Mines and he spoke to City Business News on the sidelines of a local content work workshop organized by the Chamber. We believe that we need a little more interest coming at the policy level where you have policy alignment because at the end of the day, the mining companies when we are talking about local content, it's not all mining, we are talking about various inputs which go into the supply chain. And these products generally are manufactured products, uh, fabricated products, and so on and so forth. And now I believe that because this lies within the bosom of the Ministry of Trade and Industry, it is important that they show more interest you know, in the work of the Ghana Chamber of Mines and its member companies, especially when it comes to local content. Of course, it also requires that we do a lot more work. That's why I said that probably working in tandem with the ADI, we should be able to get the Ministry of Trade and Industry showing more interest. Because see, what we do through local content ultimately will benefit the Ministry of uh, Trade and Industry. And that's why at the policy, that policy level, there should be that kind of uh, synergy, that kind of relationship for us to really help build, you know, the, the fabrication and manufacturing base of our economies. We, our member companies provide, you know, a captive market, provided pricing is right, um, quality is right. That was the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Chamber of Mines, Suleiman Ukoni.
Finally, the Poultry Farmers Association of Ghana have indicated that they will be unable to meet the demands of consumers should government proceed with a ban on imported importation of poultry products. The Bank of Ghana recently stopped the supply of dollars for the importation of rice, poultry, vegetable oil, toothpicks, among others. This forms part of government's plans to boost local production and strengthen the economy. Speaking to City Business News, the management committee chairman of the Greater Accra Poultry Farmers Association, Kwame Tim Dudu says, although they welcome the move to ban imported poultry products, it needs to be done gradually to give local poultry farmers time to work towards meeting demands. Some measures to be put in place to be able to produce the quantity or the volumes demanded or consumed in the country. For instance, if we have such a plan to eventually stop importation of dressed chicken, then we kind of um, have a timeline or a roadmap to say maybe up to the next four years. So that if we were importing 100% or 90% from outside, we could say for this year we are reducing the 90% to maybe uh, 70%. That we are reducing it by 20%. And then we expect the local poultry farm industry to produce the uh, shortfall 20% locally to meet the 100% demand. And then the following year, we further reduce the 70% remaining to maybe 40% or 50% gradually so that over a period of four years, the local poultry farm uh, associations or uh, producers who have been in a position to eventually take over the full demand in volumes of poultry chicken or poultry products in the country. I am not sure we will be able to meet that demand right now in this year as according to the BOG's information. Kwame Tim Dodu is the Management Committee Chairman of the Greater Accra Poultry Farmers Association. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was sponsored by First National Bank and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umaru Sandamodo. Tonight on Point Blank, we're going back to Parliament. The budget statement has been approved, but the appropriation is happening in bits and pieces. Today, the House of Parliament approved the budget appropriation for the Lands Ministry and the Defence Ministry. Let's listen to the debate leading up to that. Mr. Speaker, the Committee for Defence and Interior was very excited when the Minister for Defence reported to us that government in this bid to resolve the accommodation challenges the armed forces is currently faced with had taken the decision to hand over the Sagleme housing project for the use of the armed forces. Mr. Speaker, we were excited as a committee because the location of the Sagleme housing project is next to the Bundasi 
military training facility. And so, when the decision was taken, it was our view that you have the military living next door to their training camp. It makes room for easy mobilization and mobility to and for the housing project. Subsequent to that, Mr. Speaker, we heard in the news claims made by the Minister for Works and Housing to the effect that the decision had changed and they were now looking forward to handing over that project to a private developer. Mr. Speaker, with the greatest of respect, in the interest of security and to ensure that the accommodation challenges facing the armed forces is resolved, we're making a direct appeal through this medium to the government to reconsider its decision and return to the original decision which was to have the armed forces take over the Sagrame housing project. Excuses such as the quantum of money required for the completion of the project is so huge and if it is handed over to the armed forces, they wouldn't be able to complete the project. It's neither here nor there. Government can raise funding and support the armed forces or resource the engineering outfit of the armed forces with some funds to complete the project by themselves. They have the competence to do so to good use. On that note, Mr. Speaker, I support the motion for the amounts stated to be adapted for the programs and activities of the Ministry. Minister for Defence, you have to take this seriously. There are three S that you can't toy with in any country. Safety, security, and stability. The safety and security of the individual, the community, and the country cannot be toyed with. My checks from the Ministry and the Control and Counter General clearly indicated to me that the security agencies are one of the priority areas of government. But this is not what is reflected in the performance of 2022. It's sad when I really read and saw that 81, approximately 81% of the budget on goods and services have not been released to the Ministry of Defense. In this current situation, how do you expect them to operate? And I agree totally with Honorable Dafiemako. It is not for this House to continue to be appealing to the Ministry to release. We are in charge. We legislate. We pass the laws on taxation. They are to implement. If they are failing to do it, we have to take them on. Not be appealing to them. I can't understand this. Particularly how the ministry and the system ministers are struggling with the safety and security of the Ghanaian. And you know what is happening in the sub-region. I think that we should take this as the last occasion where we to rate it from the Minister of Finance. We don't want to have this again.
what is done cannot be undone. 2022 is past and gone. In 2023, this is clear notice to the ministry. We don't want this to be repeated again. But shockingly, after increasing the budget on compensation, the others have been reduced for 2023. So you are employing people. Are you not going to give them the tools to work with? Look at the budget for 2023. It has been reduced both for goods and services and what? Capex. So we are going to recruit them, employ many hands, and let them sit in the houses. Meanwhile, we know what is happening. I think there has to be a second look. And the ministers, I'm happy both of you are in, Minister for Interior, Minister for Defense, I can see both of you. I think that you will take this up with the ministry. They will have to come back again. Well, we need to equip the security agencies to be able to deliver our safety and security. Without safety and security, this country cannot develop. Please, let's don't take God's guidance for granted. We are a blessed nation. We have to help ourselves before God can help us. Right Honorable Speaker, with your permission, I present your committee's reports. But before I present the reports, I seek your permission to correct the figure quoted in the report. The report is adding one more CD, making it 581 Ghana cities. But Mr. Speaker, the money is supposed to be as quoted in the other paper, 1,350,964,580 Ghana cities and not 81. Mr. Speaker, I expect the Hamzad office to capture the reports as having been read in full whilst I concentrate on the conclusion. Will you rephrase that sentence? Mr. Speaker, I that you expect them. You Mr. are calling on them to do so. Mr. Speaker, I seek your permission for the Hamzad office to capture the report as having been read in full whilst I concentrate on the conclusion and recommendations. The Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources continues to play its critical role to execute its critical mandates in ensuring sustainable management and utilization of Ghana's lands, forests, wildlife and mineral resources towards the socio-economic development of the country. While the committee is satisfied with the general expenditure performance of the ministry and its agencies for 2022, it is concerned about the funding challenges facing the Ghana Geological Survey Authority, Ghana Integrated Aluminium Development Corporation, Ghana Integrated Iron and Steel Development Corporation. The committee takes it the considered view that a dedicated revenue source should be established for GIADEC and GISDEC to support their operations in 2023 and beyond in this regard. The committee has examined the 2023 annual budget estimates for the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources and takes the view that the estimates are justified for the critical programs that the Ministry has committed to implement in 2023. 
The committee also acknowledges the acute financial challenges faced by the ministry and appeals to the Minister of Finance to make additional funds available for them to perform their statutory functions in 2023 and beyond. In that regard, the committee recommends to the House to adopt the report and approve the sum of $1,350,964,580 Ghana cities for the implementation of programs for the Ministry of Lands and Natural Resources for the 2023 financial year, respectfully submitted. The Speaker, what is particular about the report is the fact that there's a huge reduction of what had been proposed and what has been the estimates proposed and what is uh, granted. There's a deficit of what is required of more than a billion Ghana cities, Mr. Speaker. And this is a sad story for the Ministry. The Ministry is a critical Ministry that deals with key issues about the sovereignty of this country, the domestic integrity of this country as far as our land administration is concerned. And so, Mr. Speaker, when there is a huge reduction in such a proposed uh, estimate, it goes to have a direct effect on, on the totality of the policy of the ministry. Mr. Speaker, it has a challenge on efforts of green, to, to, to promote the Green Ghana policy. It has a direct effect on the the, the monitoring of lands and stopping Galamse in particular. If we look at page um, 18 of the report, it tells the sad story of the ministry and especially the departments that are under the ministry. And you find that the Ghana Geological Survey Authority has a sad story to tell. It has, it's, it almost only have salaries or emoluments to, to, to deal with. But the saddest thing is about the, uh, the Ghana Boundary Commission, Mr. Speaker. Ghana Boundary Commission, as we all know, takes inventory of our land provides us with enough information about the, the totality of our lands and also give us enough um, reason for us to say that we are a sovereign state, Mr. Speaker. But this commission is one of the least awarded when it comes to provision of a budget for them to operate. Mr. Speaker, I know you, it will sadden you to note that the total amounts of money giving them for um, for, for, for goods and services just about two million Ghana cities and 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 this is for a, a, a commission that needs to go around all our boundaries be able to demarcate the land be able to make sure that advice is given to the um, key sector organizations 
for them to understand what is happening within our lands. The speaker reports have reached us that some areas of Ghana are even occupied by organizations and, and countries that and individuals from other countries that are not Ghanaians. And yet, they are unable to control those lands. And the Ghana Boundary Commission is therefore very handicapped. I want to urge the minister to do whatever it can to impress on the finance minister to make sure this commission is properly equipped. Because by the time we realize, parts of our country would have been gone and it will be too late for us to begin to act. Mr. Minister, another, Mr. Chairman, another, Mr. Speaker, another challenge we have is about the Green Ghana policy. The initiative is very good. We all support it. But we believe that not much information is given to us. Lots of information about how many siblings are given, how many are, are, are finally um, planted, and all that cannot be fully appreciated. We are edging on the, um, the the Forestry Commission to open up because we are committed to make sure we do the needed oversight to make sure that um, the amount of money we spend every time in bringing up these siblings, generating them and getting them to be planted much with the, the expenditure. Well, that's it for Point Blank and for that matter, Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sandamari. You are listening to the debate in Parliament for the approval of the appropriation of the Defence and Lands Ministries. Production tonight by Beverly London and uh, Fred Tete Jabano. Technical support from Daniel Squashy. We return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thanks to the new media team of CTFM and City TV for bringing us the broadcast live on Facebook. Have a good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.